Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails and another Focus on Female episode. I am so very excited to have a specialist that many of you have requested over the last couple of years. Carla DiGirolamo is here with me, and she's a reproductive endocrinologist specializing in women's athletic performance. Carla, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Thank you for having me, Nikki. It's a pleasure to be here. So Carla is so very smart and also so very educated in and familiar with us in the CrossFit space. And I've asked her to come on today specifically to address a lot of questions that I've been getting from listeners specifically surrounding menopause and women training and crossfitting in and through that stage of life and what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, or if they need to be changing or evaluating where they're at at all, kind of. And so, Carla, I am just, I am made of questions when it comes to that sort of like phase and season of life. But before we get into all of that, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and your specialties? Sure, sure. So before I was anything else, I was a recreational athlete. I've been in athletics since, you know, I was six, seven years old. Not competitively, but recreationally competitively. And so fitness and sport has been a huge part of my life. And then I went to medical school and decided to specialize in women's health and then further became an endocrinologist, a reproductive endocrinologist. And I've been practicing at a practice called Boston IVF for the past 18 years as a, as a fertility specialist. But I also am credentialed as a menopause specialist. And I also see perimenopausal and menopausal patients. I do consultations for wild health. I see women from puberty all the way up through menopause because hormonal issues are very prevalent in women of all ages who are athletes. And so that's kind of the niche that I have carved out for myself. I, I'm an avid CrossFitter myself. I've been doing that for the last seven years. And I just think it's, it's, it's the most incredible fitness movement ever. So I brought my two passions, my two worlds together and found this great niche of helping women who are high performers. You are quite literally the perfect person on this planet to answer the questions that some of our listeners have, because I oftentimes, I'd say I break it out into two major categories. A lot of people have sent messages being like, can we please get someone on the show to talk about menopause? Because I don't, I don't know quite how to pull back when I get to this phase of life. You know, I'm not, I'm not feeling great. I don't feel like myself. Like I want to scale things back and I don't know quite how to do it. And then I have sort of this other group of women who are like, I don't want to change shit. Like, who cares if I'm 40, 50, 60, whatever, or experiencing changes? Like, I want to know how I can continue to push myself no matter what my body is going through, because that's what I like. And so I kind of will, it's a can of worms I know I'm opening up here, but I kind of will start by just asking, is there a baseline like you should or you shouldn't when you enter into that phase of life? Or is it so very dependent? It is very dependent. It is so different for every woman. I mean, when you think about the population of menopausal women in the world, I mean, there's billions of menopausal women. Some are sedentary. Some are elite athletes that are still competitive in their 50s, 60s and beyond. You've got different races and ethnicities and menopause affects different races and ethnicities differently. You've got people with certain health conditions. I mean, it's such a heterogeneous group that it's very, very 
difficult to paint that group with one broad brushstroke. So the key to this phase of life is figuring out A, what your goals are, and B, what your personal situation is. You know, what is your health history? What have you struggled with? What are your, like I said, what are your goals going into this stage of life? What kind of athlete are you? Are you an endurance athlete? Are you a CrossFitter? Are you a powerlifter? Um, all of those things play a role in how you can be your fittest, fastest, strongest self going into this next phase of life. And it also may require reevaluation because, you know, you're 40 and it's like, all right, things aren't the same as when I was 30. And so you fix some things like, all right, this is good. And then you're 45 and say, huh, I got to readjust again. And then 50 comes along and it's like, oh my God, nothing's working anymore. Then you got to readjust. So this phase of coming out of our reproductive lives and into our reproductively quiescent part of life is really a dynamic process. It's fluid. It's always changing. And the better you know yourself, the better off you'll be because then your coaches and your providers can help you work within your particular framework. So this is there, there's never been a question that made it more obvious that I'm 35, but what qualifies as being menopausal exactly? Like, what are the things that you need to look out for? How do you know when you're there? And, and for the record, what does perimenopausal even mean? I don't know. Spell, oh, you'll find out. <laughs> I've heard great things. <laughs> Sounds awesome. So, so the medical definition of menopause is one year beyond your final menstrual period. And on average, that occurs in American women on average age 51 to 52 is okay. when um, she will be one year beyond her final menstrual period. There are a lot of exceptions to this, a lot of things that confuse this diagnosis. If someone has had a hysterectomy and don't, doesn't have periods right. anymore, well, how do we know? If she's got a progesterone IUD, well, you know, how do we know? So, you know, there's a lot of things that can complicate that and sometimes symptoms and blood work can help us in those situations. But in general, the medical definition is one year beyond the final menstrual period. So it's more menstrual period driven than it is laboratory driven. We only use laboratory tests when the diagnosis is confusing. So that's what menopause is. Well, what is perimenopause? Perimenopause is the time that occurs when you are no longer able to, to conceive your conceive children with your own eggs. And, you know, I, I, I clarify that because at, at Boston IVF, we do a lot of egg donation cycles and women are having babies into their 50s. So if we're thinking about our own eggs, we usually lose that capability around age 44, 45. At that stage, 95% of women have, have completed childbearing. And then at that point, you've got this period of time until you lose your last, you have your last menstrual period. So that transition time is typically considered perimenopause. And what characterizes perimenopause is literally sheer hormonal chaos. And anyone <laughs> who's going through it knows that, yep, that's it. Because what's happening is, is that the ovaries are not cycling regularly anymore because they're not producing as much estrogen as they were before. And so when the ovaries stop doing this, there was a very complicated hormonal conversation that happens that makes periods happen. And when that conversation gets disruptive because the ovary is not doing its part anymore, that's when signals become erratic. 
endocrine pathways become a little bit more erratic. And because estrogen receptors are found on virtually every tissue of the body, when estrogen goes down, virtually every tissue in the body is affected. So that can result in a wide range of symptoms that can include hot flashes, vaginal dryness, depression, anxiety, sleeplessness, mood disorders, various- All the fun stuff. All yeah, fun joint, stuff. joint yeah. discomfort, things like the body composition changes. All of those things are, are characteristic of the hormones changing. So there's a little bit of hormonal chaos going on and that results in some sometimes debilitating symptoms for some women. Some women go through it with no problem. Some women have a really tough time. So it's a very, very wide range of experiences that women have who are going through that stage. Now, all that stuff sounds like it affects quite literally every aspect of life. It does. But specifically when you are in a CrossFit gym, you know, whether you're an elite athlete or you're just a, you know, average Joe, like most of us listening to this show, you know, go in three to four, maybe five days a week on a good week. And you're just trying to like sweat for an hour so that you can go home and eat as much pizza as you want for dinner and not feel too bad about it. If you are in that cycle and you all of a sudden have all these hormonal disruptions happening in your body, what does that look like as you're trying to train? So what I, what I tell people, the first knee-jerk reaction is people feel like their body is betraying them. It's like, yeah. oh my God, you know, what, what do you mean? I, my friend time is double what it was before, you know? Got it. What, yeah. What, what, do, what do you mean? I, I, you know, I, I couldn't get my, you know, that thousand meter run under whatever time. You have to be kind to yourself because your body is going through a lot. I always liken this to going through puberty backwards. No. We remember how dramatic puberty was, right? Lots of bodily changes, lots of body composition changes, mood changes, all of that was really, really tough during puberty. Well, we're going from reproductive competence now back to reproductive quiescence, pre-pubertal. So it's coming full circle. And so the changes of this time of life are just as dramatic as they were going through puberty and coming into this phase of life. So you have to understand and be, be, be sympathetic to your body that, okay, it's going through a lot and it's not always going to show up the way I want it to. And so you have to be ready to be very adaptable and flexible in your training. You know, so if you're planning on going to the CrossFit gym and you've got filthy 50 on, on the whiteboard and your, your body is just not having it, you have to say, all right, maybe filthy 50 is not going to happen today. Maybe I'm going to do some zone two training instead. Or maybe I'm going to just focus on mobility work because, oh my God, my shoulders are really sore from doing, you know, Murph, you know, a, a few days before. So you have to be able to be flexible and be able to pivot and feel okay about it. And I think that's a really hard hurdle for, for us, you know, who are used to being able to hit the gym and, and hit those heavy, hard workouts consistently. You have to be like, all right, my body's telling me something. I need to pivot today. And that's okay. So it sounds like it sounds like it's super situational in terms of, you know, if you're not recovering well or if you're feeling down, if you're just feeling hot and sweaty, you know, whatever it may be that day. Are there any hard and fast rules? Like, you know, but for example, when you're in a very different phase of life when you're pregnant, and people will argue these hard and fast rules too, but like let's just say in general, a lot of times you avoid 
specific ab movements when you're, you know, up into your second or third trimester. And again, I'll say this because I'm already feeling the hate mail rolling in. Some women don't and you don't have to. And I'm not saying you do have to, but generally people can say, you know, oftentimes pregnant women don't go upside down in their third trimester or they don't, you know, do toast bar or whatever it may be. Are there rules or, or any sort of benchmarks that you oftentimes find when you're going through a menopausal phase of life? There are certain you know, movements that are or aren't honestly typically it, changed. You really can't can't paint it with a broad brush like that. I've dealt with all kinds of athletes. I, I have a woman that I've had the pleasure of knowing who's an 81-year-old triathlete, and she Dang. is still competing. Really? So, yeah, she is. She's run over a hundred triathlons. This woman, she's from Maine. I don't know what's in the water up there, but I yeah, yeah, she's she is amazing and she's still competing at 81. And so, you know, I, I've heard some, that narrative out there, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't run too far. Or you shouldn't, you know, you know, you shouldn't overdo your running volume or your zone two volume. It's like, well, tell that to this 81 year old triathlete. Yeah. I've got other women who have actually taken up powerlifting in their fifties, you know, because yeah. they were like, okay, I know I have to do, I should do more resistance training in my fifties. Well, she, she took that one home and hit the home run and became a competitive powerlifter. So, Dang. you know, but then some people say, well, you know, your joints, you know, a little bit more lax and, you know, you can't risk injury. So God, don't lift more than, you know, 35 pounds above your head. Well, that's not going to work for the power athletes. So I think the, the thing I go back to is that it's very individual. The advice I have for women is you get, you have to, you have to define your goals. What do you want to achieve? You know, short-term and long-term. and what is your current situation and what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? What is, what is this menopausal transition? How's it affecting you? If it's sleep, then, well, we have to work on the sleep because the sleep is a foundation of recovery and recovery is really important. Um, but I think if I were to say what are the most common things that I feel like I need to give advice on, yeah. I would probably say do more resistance training. Now, okay. yes, there are women, there are power lifters out there. They probably don't need to do more resistance training. They probably need to do more running of the 5K. Right. My, my triathlete doesn't need to run more 5K. 5K. She needs to learn how to do back squats. Right. So I would say the biggest thing I find that women could do more of in this stage of life is weight training and real weight training. You know, you don't have to necessarily learn how to do Olympic liftings, but if you go to a great CrossFit gym, you're going to learn how to do cleans and, and jerks and all kinds of really great stuff that's good for the core. So I highly recommend it. But if you want to do deadlifts, back squats, shoulder press, bench press, the basics, that's going to really, really make a dent as well. So that's the most common piece of advice I'm giving is, you know, make friends with the barbell. And and why? Like we know, why? Yeah. We, yeah, why? And we know that we love it and it's good for our overall health and it's good for our mental health and it makes your booty look nice. But like why in that phase of life is resistance training so important? All right. I'm going to get sciencey. Bring it on. Um, so, so, so pardon me for geeking out. No, so I love it. What, what happens when we go through this phase in perimenopause and into menopause is that, like I said, the ovaries start to, start to produce less estrogen and menstrual cycles are becoming less. So the overall estrogen exposure to your skeletal muscle, those are the muscles that move our limbs and all our voluntary movement, it starts to decline. And there are these little antennae on the muscle fibers. They're called receptors. And they're like antennae for the hormone signal 
that's coming into the muscles. And it's really important for how muscles function and how they utilize glucose. And, and estrogen drives a lot of these processes, particularly in women. So when estrogen receptors start to change and when the estrogen in the circulation starts to change, the muscle function and muscle mass starts to change. And so we naturally will start losing mass and we will naturally start losing power because we start to see a shift from the type two power fibers to the type one endurance fibers. And so to mitigate those changes and to maintain your muscle mass and to maintain your muscle function and your ability to efficiently use glucose, you need to stimulate those muscles a different way. And the only way you can get around the hormonal deficiency or just the hormonal change, I don't want to call it a deficiency because it's what's supposed to happen at that time of life, is through mechanical stimulation, through lifting the weights, through making friends with the barbell. So the reason to do it is to try to mitigate the changes that are occurring as a result of the hormonal changes in the body. And there's no real hard and fast rule on how much that means, right? That's got to be different for everyone. Like you said, it's like, it's not like you do it, but don't lift over 35 pounds or whatever it is. It's like, continue to do it if you've been doing it or if it hasn't really been on your radar, like now is the time to learn how to start, you know, moving your body in certain ways and bearing load in certain ways. And I mean, it's, it's fine to continue to build strength and max out even as we age, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The only way you're going to A, get fitter and B, mitigate this decline that's happening is to push your limits. You know, we know in CrossFit where, you know, the fitness happens beyond the margins of what you can do. That's a big CrossFit principle. You have to get outside your comfort zone. You have to push that limit if you're going to get fitter and if you're going to stem the tide of, of what's happening physiologically. So, yeah, you know, retest that one rep max. There's no problems with doing that. Do you know, personally, I do some six week strength cycles and I rotate my lifts and I'm retesting my one rep max on a couple of lifts every six weeks. You know, but at the same time, you got to mix that up. If you're someone who does a whole lot of resistance training in that three to five rep range, maybe you need to add a little bit of volume, you know, mm -hmm. you know, do those workouts that have you doing 60 power cleans, you know, over the course of the workout. I just did one yesterday. It was power cleans and box jumps, which was just fantastic. Oof. Yeah. And you got to do that though. You got to shake the tree because the body is looking for stimulation. And the body is incredibly good at adaptation, so you can't do the same thing all the time. I mean, that's the whole principle behind CrossFit, constantly varied. Constantly varied. I was like, it's almost like constantly yeah. varied is kind of the way at it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm biased because I'm a CrossFit trainer, but I think CrossFit is the best training modality for, for women in this stage of life. But then, Carla, how do you deal with helping clients and patients who are doing all the right things, right? Like they're doing the constantly varied movements and they're, they're trying to max out or they're lifting hip, whatever, they're stimulating their bodies to, to their best abilities, but then they're met with the mental block or the difficulty of, well, I feel like shit today or like I'm having a hot flash right now or like, well, I'm so sore from back squats yesterday that I can't even come in and do anything today other than mobility because it's like, it's like we're encouraging women to keep getting after it and keep doing the thing. And then they're also like slamming into the brick wall of their bodies, like you said, feeling like they're almost betraying them. Yeah. So how do you help them through that 
that so, mental block? So the first thing, it's, it's funny that you say mental block because a lot of women in this phase of life experience anxiety. I deal with a lot of endurance athletes who will say, like mountain bikers, will say, I have done this course so many times, but yesterday I was petrified to do this course. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety gets the best of them. And why is that? It's because estrogen receptors are found in the brain and in the mood centers mm-hmm. and in the serotonin system. And that affects anxiety, depression. That's why these symptoms really rear their heads during this time of life is because those hormonal changes cause mood changes. And uh, so people can experience anxiety over things that um, they never were anxious about before. So there really could be a mental block there based on belief systems and what podcasts they might have listened to the day before or whatever. And so there is definitely a mental component to that. So sometimes what you have to do is rework some things and rebuild confidence in things that you might be feeling anxious about if there is a head component. From a physical component, the one broad brushstroke I can paint with this stage of life is recovery is king. We -hmm. have to warm up a little more. We can't skip that cool down. And the reason is because, A, this is an inflammatory catabolic stage of life where, you know, losing muscle mass, we're losing bone mass. Estrogen also um, impacts the ability to recover and uh, stave off inflammation. So it can be much more inflammatory. So this is why, oh my God, my joints hurt more. It it hurts more to get out of bed. I feel like I'm 80 years old. So what we have to do is really pay closer attention to our recovery efforts, tissue care, mobility, and I probably should listed this first, but fueling. Fueling Mm. is something that we really need to pay attention to in this stage of life. We need more protein. Because of all this breakdown that's going on, you know, we got more inflammation, we got, you know, muscle mass and bone mass declining. You need more protein to give the body what it needs to repair itself because it doesn't do it as efficient as efficiently as it used to. Sleep, if you're struggling with sleep, sleep is a foundation of recovery. And many women do struggle with, this, with sleep during this time of life. If that's a problem, you got to hone in on that. So if you're feeling like crap when you're going to the gym, It's good to sit back and take an inventory, maybe even get a coach to help you take this inventory. It's like, all right, how am I eating? How am I recovering? Am I sleeping? And once you start answering those questions, it may reveal what areas to target to make it better so that you can get back at it and feel good about it. It sounds like all you got to do is when you hit 44, just eat a whole bunch, work out a whole ton and spend all your other free time sleeping. It sounds great to me, honestly, (laughs) but but also probably uh, full on impossible for us and the lives we lead and the jobs we have and the families we hold. So I know I know that this is going to be a question that a lot of people have. But in addition to kind of trying to do all of the right things when you hit that perimenopausal or menopausal phase. Are there other things that you typically recommend to people like supplements or additional regimens? I know you mentioned mobility already a couple of times. I know we're not doing that. Let's be real. None of us are doing that as yep. much as we should. Yep. But in addition to that, like, is there any, ever anything that you recommend that could just be kind of like extra supplemental, that kind of thing? Yeah, there's a few things that I think are game changers from the supplement. And I, I think creatine is a fantastic supplement. Oh, interesting. Women don't, that's not something, the first thing that I hear when, when gals are like, oh, I'm taking this or I'm doing that. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, creatine, 
so many, so many benefits. There is a researcher out there. His name is uh, Darren Kandow, and he does a lot of research on creatine. And he did this really great podcast. Just um, it was some, it was called a masterclass or something. But he did this podcast that was just so enlightening on the benefits of creatine for active people, for from a, a cognitive health standpoint as as well as a, as a muscle health. And, and bones as well. Muscle, bones, mental health is where creatine really can make a difference. But really the benefits of creatine are if you're, if you're active and if you're active consistently, because, you know, what creatine does is it provides a source of energy for the muscles. It's like battery juice for your mm. mitochondria. The mitochondria are the batteries in your muscles that make them move and is a source of energy. And what the creatine is, is like battery juice that keeps those batteries charged so that you can you know, do those extra two reps so that you can maybe eke out that five pound PR. So that's what creatine is. And it helps, it, it's, it just provides all the basic stuff that a muscle needs to perform at its very best. So it's very well studied. It's probably the best studied supplement out there. And it's got an incredible safety profile. So it has tremendous benefits for women, especially during this time of, you know, like I said, catabolic breakdown of the muscles and the bones. You want to give the muscles and bones every possible advantage that they can have to, you know, to mitigate these, these changes. So that's why I love creatine is because it, it really has been, you know, supported by research. It's very safe and it can help muscles, bones, and cognitive health. So that's one of my go-tos. I take it myself. I think vegans too need to really focus on it because natural sources of creatine come from animal protein, muscle mm -hmm. protein. And if you are vegan and don't get much of that, you need a little extra. So I think it's a particularly good supplement if you're one that does not consume a lot of animal protein. I like fish oil. You know, we live, if you live in the United States, most of the fish that we eat, the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 is very high. That tends to be more pro-inflammatory. If you can take an omega-3 supplement, I personally like krill oil. You can change that ratio. And if you can change that ratio to increase your omega-3s, you can reduce inflammation. And again, this is an inflammatory time of life. You want to give your body the best advantage it can have to fight off inflammation. So fish oil is another good one. Many women at this stage of life don't get enough protein. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you want to consume protein with the food that you eat. That's your main source of protein. But sometimes women just can't get enough. What is enough? If you read about, if you read Stacey Sims and follow her, she suggests one gram of protein per pound of body weight for physically active women during menopause and perimenopause. Because again, you want to provide the muscles and bones with everything it needs to repair and rebuild during this challenging time of hormonal change. So whey protein, I love whey protein. Different people respond better to different types of protein from a digestive standpoint. So there's lots of great stuff out there. Pea protein, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, is a great, great option if you're not getting a lot of protein. But yeah, those are my three go-tos for supplements. So what I'm hearing is that this <laughs> fun, really comfortable phase of life for some women can, can last quite a while. We're talking about around the time when you're 44-ish and you enter perimenopause and maybe symptoms are already starting to kind of like creep up through until you're what, 51, 52 or somewhere in that range. And you, you're officially one full year past your final uh, menstrual cycle. 
you're talking about a solid like four or five years where people might be really going through it being like what is my body doing how how do i help or mitigate or change is it truly up and down throughout that entire period or does it kind of just climb peak and then peter off like how does it maybe it's, everybody's it's, different yeah it's different for everybody i can i can speak for myself i'm 53 i've been through this yeah. When I was 45, that's when I started doing CrossFit. That's when I really oh. upped my game. And it was, had nothing What? Do. I didn't realize it was not yeah. that long ago. Good for not, you. Yeah, it was not that long ago. Um, it was my birthday. And every birthday, I take an inventory of how did I get fitter from the year before? And my that goal is great to system. Keep, yeah, keep getting fitter. You got to look back on the last year and say, how did I get fitter? than I was in my last birthday. So that's kind of what I, I do for myself. And so my 45, my 45th birthday, I said, you know what? You know, I've been teaching a lot of Les Mills body combat, body pump, and, you know, spending my life. I also used jam. to be a Les Mills trainer back in the day. Oh, with yeah. Us. It was yes. so fun. It was so good. I taught Shabam, which was the Les Mills version of Zumba. And it, oh, was, it was so fun. This was like really the, the first year I started coaching CrossFit. I also was coaching that at the same time. And working full time and being crazy. So, but that was a that was a long time ago. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Les Mills flashback. Yeah, that so was fun. that was really how I first started being a fitness professional. Is when I got certified to be a body combat instructor, and it's been well over a decade. So that was like my first tiptoe into being a fitness professional. So I did that for a while, and it's and and I also played competitive tennis. I played USTA tennis. I played singles and. I felt like as I was getting older, like I could only find women to play doubles tennis with. And I'm a runner. I'm a baseline ball slammer. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. I like to do. I couldn't find anyone to do that with anymore. Um, besides Nobody wants husband. to play with me. I, exactly. So I yeah. needed to up my game. And so my 45th birthday, I decided, all right, I'm going to try this whole CrossFit thing. And I was absolutely hooked immediately. It's like, you mean you want me to jump rope? I haven't done that since elementary school. And in the same workout, I had to stand on my head. So the fact that I came back after having to do those two things <laughs> in my very first workout was a testament to how I was hooked. Well, and you found classes of people who are willing to play with you. That's exactly what it is. That's what it came uh -huh. down to, is I needed friends to play with, mm -hmm. really what I needed. So, so yeah, and I loved the constant variation. And I'll tell you, my fitness hit a whole new level. I was a better athlete at 46, 47, 48 than I was in my 20s and 30s. And oh. I can still say that today, even That's at 53, crazy. because I can do far more. I'm a much more well-rounded athlete now than I ever was. I was very one, two-dimensional. You know, I could jump, I could lift, I could do hours of body combat. That was about it. Now I can actually run a 5K. I'm not the best runner, but I've really grabbed that bull by the horns. You know, I can just wake up and say, all right, I'm going to go run a 5K. And I can do that. I never could do that before. I can do Olympic lifting. I can do handstand push-ups. I can do double unders. I can do so many things that I never could do in my 30s and 40s. And I started that at 45. That's so cool. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, you can do anything, you know. But you got to just figure out, okay, what are your goals? What are your limitations? What are your injuries? What does your life look like? You know, are you a CEO at a company working 90 hours a week? You got to figure all that out and figure out how to work within it. But it's otherwise a playground. Just try things that you've never done. 
try rock climbing, you know, try, mm. try things that you've never done. I started kayaking just a few years ago and that was just way fun. So this is a time of life where instead of looking at it as, oh my God, I got all these physical limitations. Look at it as an opportunity to try things you never otherwise would have tried. Because if you're an awesome runner, you're going to run. If you're an awesome power lifter, you're going to power lift. But it's not until those things get challenged that the world of fitness opens up to you and you discover, huh, kayaking is fun. Yeah, Rock yeah. climbing is fun. Yoga is even fun. I used to make fun of people who did yoga. Now I do it all the time because my mindset needs it. I meditate now. I never in a million years thought I'd do that because I just can't sit still. But that means I need to meditate more than anything because I'm right, right. still, right? right? So I I just look at this time of life as, you know, it, it, as enlightenment. It's, a, it's an opportunity to pursue areas of fitness that, you know, I never had either the inclination or the courage to do um, back in my younger years. When you first started at 45, were you starting to feel any of these types of symptoms yet? Like, it did wasn't. you kind of, you were, so you were kind of like already in it. And then all of a sudden the freight train of menopause hit you. And how did that affect you as you were kind of like growing with the sport of CrossFit? I was fortunate. I, I did not get hit that hard with it. And I don't know if it's because I've been very athletic my whole life. I mean, God knows I destroyed my body during residency and fellowship. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had that foundation of fitness that I started with. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it because my mother and my sister certainly had a very difficult time with menopause. So it, it didn't hit me that hard. Like, you know, there were a couple of times I thought I was dying. What, what that? Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Well, but because I didn't know what was going on. And, and it's funny because I do this for a living. There was one night I woke up and I was hot and I was sweating and I'm like, oh my God, I have an infection. I'm septic. Do I need uh -huh. to go to the emergency room? And then, you know, when I calm myself down, I'm like, oh, maybe that's what a hot flash is. So despite I, the fact that I do this for a living, it still wasn't the first thing that came to mind. Of course, you of know, course. death and dying was the first thing that came to mind. And then just within the last year, I had, I had my first migraine with an aura ever. And I thought I was having a stroke. Of course. Uh, because scary. I was, was sitting there about to see my afternoon patients on Zoom and there's these fat flashing lights are happening. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, oh, it'll go away. Maybe I'm just hungry. And, and then it wasn't going away. <laughs> and then I couldn't see. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm having a stroke. And then, then the headache came and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Maybe it's a migraine. Never had one of those before. So it can be scary because even myself who, you know, would identify that as a migraine in a patient that I'm seeing couldn't see that in myself. Do I have, do I feel hot? Yeah, I feel hot. I wake up at 3 a.m. feeling hot every single morning. But thanks to my whoop strap, I was able to know my sleep patterns and know exactly what time of the night I had to really focus on my slow wave sleep. I had to just go to bed earlier. It was simple. So yeah, I've had some things, but you know, I haven't been debilitated by it. Anxiety. Yeah, I have that too. I don't know if it was COVID or if it was menopause, but boy, do I have trouble getting on a plane. Same you know, girl's I, name. Yeah, I, I have a lot of trouble. I mean, I'm listening to all kinds of podcasts about, you know, flight anxiety and whatever. But yeah, that's real. And so those are mm -hmm. the things I've had to deal with and I've adapted, you know, and I hate to say it, but menopause isn't necessarily the end of it. 
Mm-hmm. Perimenopause, I think, is worse than menopause because in perimenopause is all this hormonal chaos. In menopause, it settles out, but it's settling out in a new normal. And that new normal comes with some joint pain, vaginal dryness, sometimes painful sex. But I, but I hear some menopausal women say, you know, there's a sense of relief. I don't have the night sweats as much anymore. I don't have the mood swings as much anymore. So some of it gets better and some of it just kind of hangs out as the new normal. Why is it so hard being a woman? The dudes have no idea. They just don't. I mean, I know they have their own hormonal, whatever, whatever. But like, man, it's just, it's a lot. You do it in so many different stages of life. And like, hormones are, they're such a bitch. They just are. They just affect so much. And it is fully out of our control. Just fully. It, like. it, it, it is. But you know, the way to look at it is this. Females have such an absolutely incredible capacity to uh, for physical adaptation. And when you think about what happens during pregnancy, and you don't have to ever get pregnant to experience this, you're wired this way. This is how mother nature programmed us. When you think about pregnancy, your cardiac output, that's the amount of, of blood that your, your heart is able to pump. It, it increases by 50% during pregnancy. That's insane. Okay. That's insane. 50%. And so your chest cavity, your ribs expand, your chest cavity has to expand to maintain your oxygenation capacity to accommodate this entire human living in your abdomen. Your bones and joints need to adapt because the pelvic joints, your bones need to separate to accommodate this baby. So there are incredible adaptations that happen during pregnancy that women are capable of. And a lot of physical performance is linked to our ability to carry a pregnancy because think about what you need to carry pregnancy. Your, your cardiovascular system is getting, is getting taxed to the hilt. It's challenging your ability to use nutrients because you got to share the nutrients you're taking in with another human. Mm-hmm. And, but we do this. And, and what's, what's mind-blowing is that women in the poorest health can seem to do it too. So we have this, this evolutionary wiring that makes us so adaptable physically. And that's really what physical fitness is, is the ability to adapt. And we are better at that than our male counterparts and anyone else on the planet. So suck it, guys. That's what I hear. No, I, 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 you know, it's funny when I was pregnant um, and had a lot of questions about what I was capable of because I just there's not a lot out there. There's more now even than there was two, three years ago when I was pregnant, but I was really frustrated at the lack of resources that I had right away and all the the research I had to do on my own and the, you know, the fact that my healthcare providers in and of themselves were not particularly educated on those types of things. And my OB nurse once told me I wasn't supposed to lift more than 25 pounds. And I'm like, well, I just clean and jerked 170. So I... Don't know how to have this conversation with you, but I remember looking to my husband, who is also a a medical provider in in a right, being like, I don't know how I'm supposed to scale and pull back when I don't feel like I need to at the moment. And his answer to me was, you know, Nikki, female lionesses, nine months pregnant, still have to hunt for their entire pack. Like, you are quite capable we are as mammals quite capable of still, you know, operating at most of our capacity, regardless of the fact that you're 
growing a human. And don't go after Matt because he still like waited on me hand and foot. And when I was tired and needed a nap because first trimester tiredness is so real, he was great about it. But he was like, if you are feeling like you can, then you probably can. And I imagine that that is pretty sound for every hormonal stage of life. Even when you're, you know, having a really bad menopausal day, but then having a really great day in the same year, like you probably can go back to pushing yourself if you're if you're feeling up to it in that moment. We yeah, without a doubt. You know, you have to be mindful of, of injuries and what your current situation is. And, you know, what she was saying about pregnancy, thank God for Brianna Battles. I, I think totally incredible work in this space. Yeah, she's she's amazing. And a lot of the principles that she talks about in pregnancy is also true in menopause, because I've read a lot of her stuff and I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of truth here that also is applied to menopausal women. And that is, is that every woman's experience of pregnancy and menopause is different. And there are certain things you have to be aware of that are changing in your body. This is true of both pregnancy and menopause. And with those changes, you kind of have to figure out how to work within it listening to your body is is not enough there's there's some very specific things that you have to apply to your own situation yeah so you know i don't think and i don't think listening to your body works i'm no, sorry i've spent the last decade crossfitting trying to ignore my body i have i have taught my brain how to ignore every red flag of i'm redlining i can't do another rep i can't whatever like i've spent a decade ignoring those things i don't know how to listen to my body I don't. Yeah, it's 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 more of a negotiation. I, totally. I think when you get to, when you get to menopause, it's like it's like your hostage negotiation skills are, are really honed because that's what it feels like you're doing just to get mm -hmm. to the gym sometimes. But you know, you have to say, all right, you know what what's going on with me today, and you know sometimes your your body is just saying, look, this is this is a non-starter. You know, if you're experiencing a lot of pain, like you go in, say you do your push-up warm-up, you're about to do Cindy. And, and you're doing your push-up and you just, your shoulders are just, they're hurting. You have to, you have to listen to that. Listen to that and say, okay, why is this? What is the mm -hmm. problem? And you might do some mobility testing, you know? I mean, check out Kelly Sturette's The mm -hmm. Right State and do some, you know, listen to some of those, those, those clips that he has about testing out your movement and and doing some mobility work and, and try to achieve pain-free movement. Start there because if it's a chronic shoulder thing and I had something like that going on, I couldn't do, push-ups are usually my jam, but I couldn't do them for a little while because I had something odd going on with my shoulder and I don't know what it was. But my coach, my incredible coach, Erica Snyder, who is also a former CrossFit Games athlete herself, mm -hmm. she said, you got to go back to pain-free movement. And I cried the day she told me that because I'm like, well, that means I'm never going to do a push-up again. So F that. And she's like, no, you have to go back to basics or else you will never do another right. push-up again. Right. right, right, So that's what I did. And I did a lot of hard work, you know, with Kelly Sturette videos and doing mobility stuff and, you know, progressing from pain-free movement to adding load. And then now I can do more push-ups now than I ever could, even in my 30s. So it really is the truth. So, you know, it's not a matter of listening to your body or ignoring your body. It's negotiating with it and figuring mm -hmm. out what it needs at any given moment and giving it to, in, 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 and accommodating it. And then it will show up for you if you, if you do that. And then when it shows up for you, then that's when you rock your PR. Yeah. Um, 
but it's a matter of knowing yourself and knowing what your goals are, what your limitations are, what are your injuries, taking an objective look of how you're fueling, how you're sleeping. And you take a, a big inventory. It's a lot of variables, but if you can, you know, take a deep breath and say, okay, this is a lot of stuff and just document it and, and look back at it with a coach who can maybe see things that you don't, then you're off to a great start to being the best you can be at that given time. And honestly, that's awesome advice for everyone in every stage of life, truly. That's like what we should all be doing all the time, regardless of our age or what we're feeling or what our hormones are doing for us. Carla, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting about your specialties here. It's just, it's so very much a scary and confusing and, and oftentimes difficult time for women and athletes and knowing that there are resources like you out there who can help when there are questions is so helpful, you know, physically and mentally. Where can people find you, find your content, learn more about you, that kind of thing? So first place is my website. It's drcarlad.com. So it's all one word, Dr. Carla D. That's D-R, not spelled out doctor. Got it. That my, so my website has everything I do, a lot about me. You can contact me directly if you wanted to book a consultation. You can also find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Dr. underscore Carla underscore D. Um, you can find me by name, Carla D. Geralmo on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Same thing by my name. I also have a blog. It's called Athletic Aging and it's athleticaging.blog, all one word. And I also have a sister blog to that for reproductive age women who are high performing individuals. And that blog is called Performance Edge and that's performanceedge.blog. They're both on the Substack platform. Love, so that's and how you find me. That's perfect. And we'll drop all your links and stuff in the show notes too, in case people want to reach out and get some next steps going with you. Again, thank you so much, Carla. I'm sure I will ask you back on the show because I'm going to get peppered with a million more questions and follow-up questions and things like that. But in the meantime, for everyone listening, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another one of these Focus on Female episodes. As always, I'm so open to your ideas, to your guest ideas, to your topic ideas. Shoot me a DM or slide into the DMs of the Kettlebells and Cocktails Instagram too and let me know what you think. And we will continue finding wonderful women and men, wonderful people in general to have on the show to help fill those needs. And for everyone listening, thank you again so much. And we will chat with you guys soon. Thanks for having me, Nikki.